Hello and welcome to Lazada Insider, featuring knowledge that makes a difference. We share trusted insights, forward-looking perspectives, and exclusive expert interviews to keep you ahead of the curve. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Chen from Lazada. Changing consumers' behavior and events are constantly shaping the way food trends evolve in Southeast Asia. And a recent study based on 91 million data points from social contents and search queries showed that when it comes to food, health is now top of mind for consumers in Indonesia and the Philippines. We taste a close second. In Thailand, however, those preferences are free. For businesses operating in the food industry, keeping up with the key trends is crucial for business growth. Today, we are very delighted to be joined by expert guest Jamnit from Spire Research and Consulting. He is the deputy CEO at Spire with over 15 years of regional experience. He has worked with Fortune 500 companies as well as government agencies across Asia, Europe and the US. Hi Jamnit, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Hi Jun, thank you for having me. First of all, you are the deputy CEO at Spire. Can you please tell us more about your positions and what you do? Well, um, my role largely involves working both internally with the team across the region, but also working with clients, uh, helping them to drive growth or market entry, um, you know, and sort of business strategy. A lot of that is about sales and marketing strategies with a focus on emerging markets. And Southeast Asia is one of the most common places where you know, we're working with our clients. Um, most of the people that we work with, as you rightly pointed out, uh, Chen, is you know, large multinational organizations, but also mid-sized local firms within the region and you know, government agencies or export promotion boards that are promoting food products or agricultural products within the region as well. Sure. Thanks for the intro. To start off, could you share some overviews and insights about food category in Southeast Asia in general? Sure. Um, the, food the, the food sector in itself is quite a complex sector. It's made up of many, many different parts. You know? So if I was to enumerate these, um, you've got processed foods, which is a, a very large part, probably the largest part of the food sector. And that includes, you know, snacks, sauces, instant noodles, uh, beverages as, as well. Um, that alone is about, you know, to estimate three hundred uh, billion dollar industry, growing at about, I would say five, five, six percent. I mean, despite you know the twenty twenty COVID uh, sort of situation, um, we also have baked products. So that is an industry that I think in Southeast Asia region has done very, very well. It's a really a high growth area that we're seeing. Um, there's frozen foods, which includes frozen meat, dehydrated products, French fries, the various variants. Um, you also have grocery, groceries and fresh foods. So that's your vegetables, fruits, poultry, dairy comes into that category uh, for us as well. Um, a smaller segment is ingredients, and that's more of a B2B segment. So, you know, it has your consumer spices, but also food chemicals, additives, preservatives, uh, that sort of sector. And, you know, then it's various other niches. So with food, you start transitioning into nutraceuticals, health supplements, you know, and sometimes we sort of 
analyzing those as well. Um, also, food with functional uh, functional benefits or functional claims uh, is a niche segment, but again, has become a very, very prominent segment. So that's sort of your categories on the supply side. And then on the demand side, you've also got you know, your B2B customers, which is basically food manufacturers and food processors um, and food service. So that's something that's, you know, well, it's gone through a tough phase in the last year or so, sort of reviving now. Um, and then, of course, the larger part is consumer, which, again, you could sit, you know, split by demographics. So that's sort of what the industry really looks like. Um, there has been shifts amongst these various segments in the last year. But overall, you know, like I mentioned, it's about 4 to 7% growth pretty much across markets, across sectors that we're seeing. Sure. Thanks for the overview. And seeing me touch about the topic about shift. So I wanted to understand what are the major shifts you have observed in the category in the past couple of years? And most importantly, what drive this shift? Ah, so, you know, food habits, food consumption is, is, is peculiar. If you compare food to other products, the changes that we've seen in the food sector or how consumers behave historically have been slower. So if you take apparel or technology or any other sector for that matter, the trends come a lot faster. Uh, our food tastes tend to be linked to our roots, you know, more generational. Even if you just take your personal experience or I mean, mine for sure, um, if I look at my food consumption habits and my tastes, I have a lot in common with, with the generation above me, with my parents, for example, and with my kids, you know? But if you look at fashion, technology use, um, any other sector, real estate, you know, healthcare, it's different, it's, it's significantly different. So food that way tends to be more robust to change. Despite that, I think in the last couple of years, We've, we've seen a change. It's slower than some of the other industries, I, I would say, but it, there's still been a significant shift. Now, the biggest shift there is just the location in which food is being consumed. So, you know, 2020, we have this huge disruption. Um, and what's, what, what's happened with that is that there is much more home consumption you know, that's happening. And that has led to a whole lot of, I'm going to call them sub-trends, really. Uh, you know, so you've got dining home, the experience of dining at home has become more critical. Um, online as a channel is, is sort of growing very, very rapidly. Uh, food delivery, both for food ingredients and for, for uh, you know, ready-made food. Um, and also the way that people interact, the, the way the businesses are interacting with customers has changed because the location now is home. So, you know, online marketing, digital channels to communicate with the customers or to promote loyalty have become very, very critical. So that's, that's sort of one big trend uh, that's happened or a shift. Now, we are seeing some other trends as well. Um, one other trend that I'll highlight is just the prominence of local tastes. The re reverse westernization, if I, could, if I could call it that. So I think people... Uh, have increasingly started to appreciate the local foods and the local tastes uh, more and more. 
I think largely that's also because there are a lot of other, there's a lot of local companies that have started to become more marketing oriented. Earlier it was the big Western brands that controlled a lot of the marketing spin, but with you know alternative channels online, that awareness has gone up. So we're seeing that localization. Um, you pointed out something, you know, when we started, which is health consciousness. So across the countries, amongst the top three or four criteria, health has become very, very important. And there's a nuance there that I wanted to highlight. So, you know, when customers now say they want healthy food, it's different from what they were saying a few years ago. Uh, a few years ago, they were saying, I want healthy food, which means low fat, low sugar, low ABC. You know, it was a lot about decreasing some of the stuff that was perceived to be harmful. Now the health um, sort of positioning has become additive. So I'm looking for certain nutrition and I need my food to have that. You know? So there's consciousness about proteins. There's consciousness about micronutrients. Um, and customers now demand and expect that that additive element has, has sort of come in. It's not just low fat is not good enough. It's got to be low fat high calcium or high protein or, or something like that. Uh, the other shift that we're seeing, um, I think, is just this consciousness of sustainability. Uh, so uh, in the West, I think the sustainability conversation started a lot sooner. Um, in Asia, Southeast Asia, we haven't, or until very recently, we hadn't caught up to it. And, you know, Rightfully so, because if you look at per capita waste production, for example, Asia is maybe 30% of Europe, Australia, New Zealand, US. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you compare it to some of the regions, it's, it's lesser. It's one-fifth or one-fourth. Uh, same goes with energy consumption. So energy consumption per capita is like half for Asia compared to, say, the US or Middle East. or, or you know, it, it compares... It's closer to Africa than it is to any other region, both for waste production and for energy consumption. So right, rightly so. But I think that conversation has now come into light. And in the last two years, we're seeing consumers have become more uh, you know, ethically conscious or community conscious or even, even environmental conscious. And all of that is under the umbrella of sustainability. So, um, I will highlight one other trend that I think is still relatively nascent, but has started, which is data-based decision-making. So we're seeing an increased penetration of health apps uh, on, on consumers' phones. And it's, it's increasingly becoming a common practice. Before I put something into my mouth or into my body, I'll check the nutritional value. And, and these apps are actually... Are, are, are very, very critical, or I'm monitoring what I'm eating, and then I'm making my food choices uh, based on that data rather than just you know indulgence or taste or, or what used to be the case. So yeah, so sort of I think there are these five big, rather diverse trends that we're seeing that, that are going to transform the food sector. That is very interesting. And I want to deep dive into the shopping behavior. How about consumer shopping behavior in this category in terms of what, how, and where they buy food products? Do you see any changes in the past? And if yes, do you foresee any of the changes will become more permanent in the future? 
you know, so we conducted a couple of surveys for some of our clients here, um, and we were surprised with the findings. So, you know, one thing, of course, it's, it's obvious, a lot more consumers are shopping online. And the who in that question has actually changed. So we're seeing that earlier grocery shopping or food shopping was something that was predominantly done by women, the lady of the house. But we're, 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 we've seen that shift. So we're seeing in some countries in Southeast Asia, uh, a 50-50% split. Uh, in some cases, it's 60-40, 40 being male, 60 being female uh, for household shopping. So we you know we're seeing, we're happy to see this. We're happy to see that balancing of genders happen when it comes to household decisions. Um, online has taken off in the last two years. Our, our perception is that it's here to stay. So, you know, a majority of the customers will continue to buy their food online. There will be some going back once, you know, the vaccines happen and once the whole COVID situation resolves itself a little bit better in the region. But I think the overall trend um, on ordering food, either raw food for home preparation or pre-cooked food, I think is, is, is going to stay. Uh, convenience is going to continue to be one of the most prominent decision making criteria. Um, in terms of where customers are buying, I think, you know, the large hypermarket supermarkets still play a very, very important role, at least for mainstream, you know, your daily use food. Um, having said that, shopping behavior has changed in some of the more specialty food, snacks sort of areas where, you know, we're seeing um, e-commerce marketplaces uh, become more prominent and become more popular there. So it's online, but it's kind of split between your large supermarkets and then the, the marketplaces. Um, yeah, I think a couple of things I will still highlight. So despite everybody can use it, consuming at home and buying online, uh, food needing to be Instagram worthy is still, is still a critical thing, you know, so we're still seeing posts and customers wanting to click their, their, their food. Yeah. So I think that's probably what I'm going to say. I think, I think the online's probably going to, is, is, is here to stay. It's here to stay. Cool. Uh, thank you for that. And last but not least, I wanted to understand a bit more about your opinions. Could you please share some lights on where the industry is heading in Southeast Asia in the next few years? And what are some of the key trends and some exciting emerging trends that businesses need to watch out for? You know, I, I, I think the transformation that the food sector is going through is very, very exciting, especially if you are a SME or a small company, you know, um, Having said that, I think if you look at market share data, the big brands uh, still continue to, to, of course, you know, be there very consistently amongst the ranks. But because shopping behavior has changed and now companies have an access via online, they have an access to the customer that's direct. You know, that opens up a lot of opportunities for micro brands or, or, or specialty foods. Um, we're seeing this happen. I mean, even with even with some of the processed food, packaged foods sort of categories, there's a bypassing of the groceries, your traditional supermarkets, to platform like yours, you know, or or other uh, e-platforms, e-marketplaces. 
So now smaller brands are able to do that. You know, they have that access that, that they didn't have in the past, which I think is, is, is very exciting. Um, I think the other areas that we're seeing some opportunities are in just how, how these brands communicate with, uh, with, with, with the customers. So I mentioned local taste, for example. So, you know, that whole local positioning, I think, is, is a huge opportunity. And developing more product variants is, is an opportunity. Um, also, communicating in, an, in, in a clean, honest way um, is, is going to be the new evolved process. And right now, I think it's an opportunity, but pretty soon it's going to become a minimum requirement where brands need to really communicate to their customers. This is what the food product is. This is what it's made of. Here's what the benefits are. Not just that. Here's where it's coming from. You know, so traceability, farm-to-table sort of connections are becoming very, very important for, for brands to communicate to the customer. So, yeah, so I think it's, it's an exciting time. It's, it's rough when you're in the food service area. I, admittedly, I think that sector's gone through a lot of change. But that B2B segment is now shifted to B2C. No, so, so that presents opportunity. Thank you for your sharing. And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you, Janet, for the great sharing. Thank you, Chin. Thanks so much. This is Lizad Insider. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you click follow and subscribe so you don't miss our latest insights and expert interviews. Thanks again for joining us. Until next time, take care. La Zara